This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. It's a lovely Friday here in Pittsburgh, and uh, we are joined here in this segment uh, by somebody who is not here in Pittsburgh, I believe. You're out in Houston, are you not, Lance Zierlein? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, Lance, an NFL Network analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Lance Zierlein. And if you check out the uh, NFL <clears throat> draft rankings on NFL.com, that is Lance's work there. He's uh, he's pouring through all that stuff, and uh, um, I guess you've you've come out from the uh, from wherever it is you do all your uh, your tape room, your film room, and uh, making the rounds here, Lance. We appreciate you dropping by today, and we we do want to dig into this draft. Uh, obviously, here in Pittsburgh, it's a big deal, big de- deal in, in in a lot of places. And uh, Matt and I have been doing our, uh, our some from some different rankings uh, for Steelers dot com, Lance and. The one thing that's kind of a couple of things that have stood out to us, um, obviously the wide receiver position is deep, but one position that, that I don't think a lot of people have been talking about that is deep in this draft um, is the inside or off ball linebacker position. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just see a lot of guys there that, that, you know, two or three years ago, you just didn't see this many big guys that can run athletes, athletes at that position. From an athletic standpoint, this is one of the most athletic drafts I've seen. I mean, and and I think it gets to the the fact that it, it used to be, man, I remember in the late 90s, I was here in Houston, uh, just a young guy on the radio, and I met, I started hearing about Danny Arnold, who was training people, and he, he trained Sean Rogers, Casey Hampton. Um, Haloti Nada was there. He came when he did. Charles, uh, not Charles Rogers, but uh, Charles Woodson. Peanut Tillman, like Derek Johnson, we're talking about future Hall of Famers or Hall of Famers, and they were all training here in Houston. and And it used to be that it was you know the high end players could get training. Now it's become everybody. Like everybody, if 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 a an agent has you, they are going to be paying for you to train. And I think more of these guys take it seriously. I think more of the the agents uh, convince the players. And and this is kind of a separate. I understand it's kind of a separate answer. But I think it gets to the point of why we're seeing such explosive, talented, um, certainly athletic uh, players across the board. But then especially at linebacker, the the idea that you can play now with guys who are 230 pounds and in some cases 220 pounds at linebacker, it's really opened the door for better athletes, teams to be much, much faster. And it's really um, added the amount of players that, that, that guys like the, you know, the three of us can talk about linebackers now that we would have never talked about if they weren't over 240 pounds and so i think that's really that's one of the reasons why we see you know jeremiah uh um karamoa from uh notre dame we would have never been taught it would have been like well he's a tweener he's a hybrid we don't know what he is he's not going to be able to play linebacker but now it's at 200 you know 21 pounds 223 pounds i don't even really blink at that anymore because I know for a fact that Darius Leonard at some points has played around 218, 219 pounds. 
and he plays really good football. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why we see more and more we're getting to, to deeper and deeper linebacker cores now. Every single year we're seeing – it may not always be as talented, um, certainly not as, as the one we saw like three years ago, but because more and more players are able to be considered to that position, it's, it's, it's turning into a position where there's more depth now for sure. Yeah, you're, I think you're 100% right, Lance. And I think this is probably more of a day two situation for the Steelers, especially with the, the depth yep. at the second level. But what would you think of Zayvon Collins or Jamin Davis next to next to Bush with a first-round pick? I love it. And, and to be honest with you, I've got a higher grade on uh, Zayvon Collins, Do you? but not by a lot. Uh, Jamin Davis doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's a really good tackler. And when I watch – when I watch both guys play and I start thinking about who looks more like a Steeler linebacker, I'm kind of starting to come around on the fact that maybe Davis is the guy that, that kind of has a better vibe as a Steeler linebacker. There's a lot of talk about Damon Collins as a pass rusher, but to be honest with you, I just thought he was easy to find. He kind of went down the middle on everybody, and mm-hmm. he wasn't very elusive, very quick. I, mean, I think, Karam- uh, think Owusu Karamoa uh, is, a, is a better blitzer and, and more impactful from that standpoint. Um, you know, I think Davis has a chance to be in that regard as well, and I like Zayvon Collins, but I think as a Steeler linebacker, I kind of like Davis maybe a little bit more uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And talking about Jamie Davis out of Kentucky. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh, draft class there, and I, I like uh, a lot of those guys. Uh, Lance, I, I know your dad is uh, an offensive line coach. I know that's that's. Mm-hmm. You know where you, where a lot of your uh, you you probably grew up watching film with your dad, so you know a lot more about that than most people. Uh, the, the offensive tackle class in this draft is is obviously very deep as well, but uh, so is I think the the center position. Uh, what do you what do you how do you kind of stack that up? Yeah, I, I like it. Um, the interior line position in general, I like a lot. I think it's very underrated across the board. I love Landon Dickerson. Problem with Landon Dickerson is he's had injuries on three different years. But in terms of, you know, this is maybe one of the great football character guys in this draft. Just someone who everyone in the room loves. Someone who's tough. He's dependable. Um, he's got a great personality that I think is needed on a team. It can't always be heavy. It's got to be light sometimes, and, and that's what he's able to do. They say he brings that same energy to the practice field every week. I mean, as far as the football is concerned, the size. The talent, Landon Dickerson is an easy first-rounder. The problem gets into the medicals, and certainly it doesn't help his case that the medicals were already, you know, considered to be a potential issue that you'd have to keep an eye on, and then he gets hurt, you know, in the playoffs, and and so now it's even, you know, it's it's an even bigger concern, I think, right now with him. Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater, another player who I really love at center along with Creed Humphrey. I think Creed is solid. I think Quinn Miners is good, and I think Landon Dickerson has a chance to, to kind of be transformative in, a, in an offensive line uh, room, in a meeting room. So those are three guys right there. And then you start talking about players who could potentially shift to centers, like to the center position, um, like uh, Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame, who I don't particularly care for as a tackle, but all of a sudden when you're talking about as the center – it's it's a different conversation. Uh, David Moore out of Gramley, big physical guy. When I say big, he's like six one, but he's three thirty, just built. Yeah, like he's a bowling ball. ball. <laughs> oh, I mean, just rock solid and tremendous strength. And he really looked good as a center at the uh, at the Senior Bowl. Josh Myers, 
big, broad player at senior. So if you need a senior, I mean, if you need a center, and Michael Manette out of Penn State, you know, I'm a fan. I think he's going to be a starter in the league fairly early. I think you can find easily uh, five, you know, four who can step in and start right away and then six or seven who are going to be starters in the league at that position. Yeah, another guy that Matt and I have talked about uh, that kind of role is Kendrick Green out of Illinois. Uh, oh, yeah, great call, great call. And, and you know, he's a guard center. And right now I'm looking at my rankings and I've got him. Oh, no, I switched him over to center. You know, I've got him um, as a 6'2", which is typically more of a, a third, going to be a, a third-round pick, third, fourth. He's going to go in three, I think. And, yeah, great quickness. Um, like him better as a center than a guard. Really, really quick on the zone stuff. I think he's got decent strength if you put him in center position. But um, that's another one that I like a lot. Uh, you guys call that one too because and he's got guard center flexibility, which makes him even more valuable. Yeah, I, I think Humphrey, Dickerson, and Minerts could really be in play with the Steelers' second pick, you know, mid-late yep. second round. And to me, there's a little bit of a tier after those guys, but although it is a deep crew. I think tackle's going to be more of a project guy, though. You know, I, I know you have a lot of tackles you like. It seems like a deeper class than usual. I mean, I think yeah. they can find, you know, a guy for tomorrow in the fourth round or so. Is there some names there you like? Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, I'm with you on that, and I think this is unusual because usually you have your high-end guys. You know, if you want a player, you're going to have to get them inside the top 15. Right. And then after that, it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a little bumpier, and then there's nothing after the second round, you know, maybe in the third. This year, I've got some guys I like. Like, I'm not as high on Panay Sewell as everyone else. Um, I really like Slater. but I like Tevin Jenkins. But, you know, once you get past that first round, uh, uh, tier into more of the second round. There's a guy named Stone Forsythe. Who I, I thought you were going to bring him up. I've heard you on podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and, and I bring up Stone because I rem- he's a more athletic version of Max Starks because he was a big, you know, Max Starks is big and lumbering and you didn't think he could play, but there he is playing left tackle and winning a Super Bowl. Um, Stone Forsythe is a better, he's 330 pounds, six foot seven, which, you know, Max Starksy, but he's a better athlete than Max was. I think Sam Cosme gets beat up a little too much. I think he's going to end up playing in the league and being a starter. Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. He's played right tackle at Northern Iowa, but he's got the athleticism to play right or left. He's very tall, um, but, you know, to me, from a comp standpoint, he's got some Villanueva to him. So I think that, you know, it's interesting. I just mentioned two Steeler comps with two different types of, of tackles, but I think that is the case. I think there are guys that have um, – there's a guy named Josh Gallardo Marshall, who's one of the more talented tackles in the draft, but he's got some, you know, character concerns and character issues. But might be a guy that teams will look at later in the draft. But he's got the talent to be an NFL starter. So, yeah, there are for the first time. I think once you get into the third round, you're still going to have some guys that you could consider to be uh, starter, future starters in the league for sure. Lance, uh, how do you take? How do you look at a guy like like a Walker Little? who really hasn't played football in two years. Yeah, that's hard. Uh, so, you know, he didn't play this year. He opted out, uh, which you understand. It was a Pac-12 situation. It's, you know, that, that came back later than everything else. and I, I understand that. Uh, there's nothing he could do about 2019. He hurt himself in the middle of the first game of the year. I was disappointed he didn't go compete at the senior ball. I think that was a mistake. I think he needed to show 
who he was and what he could do. And, look, he had a good pro day workout, and that's fantastic. But people want to see him with pads on, taking on other guys with pads on. And so when I wrote him up, I had to use all of his 18 tape, and I, and I, and I used his one game from 19, um, all the reps he had in that one. I think he got hurt in the third quarter. And uh, you're talking about making a – you're really – we're almost having to make projections based on 18 tape, which is outlandish because <laughs> offensive linemen get bigger, stronger. They grow into – you know they become true men. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was a sophomore in 2018. He's yeah, 19, 20 years old. Now he's a 22-year-old man. Well, and, and imagine this. His biggest issue is play strength. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to happen. Year, so. And so it's very tough. It's a very tough projection. I've got to look at the athletic qualities. I've got to see if there was some growth from 19, 18 and 19 from a strength standpoint, and that's very difficult uh, to figure out. And, and you're walking in blind with this. I mean, he might be a second-round I think he goes in the second, but that could end up being a huge bust in the second. I just, It's a very tough call. And – that's on top of whether or not, you know, you're okay with his medicals. Lance, I've heard some of you national guys, DJ, Todd, Mel, all those guys saying, obviously, this was a really strange scouting year. And more so than ever, I know there's communication between a lot of you guys and teams that the teams are asking you guys for advice as opposed to the other way around sometimes, more this year. Uh, you know, I can't really speak. I mean, I talked to – I. I we, I, I speak to some people in the league where we give, you know, opinions mm-hmm. on players, and I've had people do that in other years. A lot of times coaches will – I've got a relationship with coaches who like to have me as kind of a sounding board. They want to know my opinion on players at their position group because it's that's kind of, you know, they don't talk to scouts as much, so and they may trust me because I've known them for years or whatever the case may be. But um, I found it to be a little different. I found that the teams are much more quiet. Hmm. We, I had my conversations – with different people earlier in the year. But I, I found that the last six weeks has gotten very quiet uh, around the NFL circles with teams that I talk to and uh, at least some of the some of the primary guys I talk to. It's, it's been a lot more quiet. And it's a really difficult year because you don't have, you know, you don't have boots on the ground to go into these schools and get the, get the information you need on the people. Like, who are these right. players as people? Um, what do you think of these players as people? You're getting less of that personal information on them to create your draft profile than than years past in the NFL and so um, I do think there are you know I do think because there's not a a set group think out there amongst the scouting community when they're on the road um, some of it's developing with some of the pro days because guys are out there together now but because of that that's one of the reasons why you've had you know probably more conversations between some of the the, the, the draft guys that put a lot of tape in, you know, put a lot of time in watching tape and some of the, 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 the people who work at NFL teams who trust some of those guys or at least trust their opinion where they're willing to have a back and forth. So uh, it's tough. I've watched more 2019. T- never have I watched more tape in the year before the current year. Like I've never <laughs> done that before. And I have to watch 2019 now because there's just not enough games for a lot of these players and there's not enough games against top-level competition. Our guest is uh, Lance Zierlein of uh, NFL.com. He's their draft analyst here. Uh, we're, uh, you're listening to The Drive. Uh, you mentioned that 2019 tape, and one of the guys who's one of the more interesting guys to figure out in this first round, I think he's a first-round guy, and uh, you know, three weeks ago or even uh, you know, two weeks ago, 
he was probably considered one of the top 10 to 15 players in the draft, and now all of a sudden you see his stock dropping a little bit, is Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. What's, uh, what, what, what do you think about him, and where do you see him going in this draft? I think he could fall out of the first, um, could go back into the first or fall out. It's purely on uh, medicals. He has had an ACL in his background. He is going to have a, a back surgery, and, and suppose, well, they say, his agent says he should be back in time for camp. But anytime you tell an NFL team, um, oh, and by the way, I didn't mention to you guys, there's a previous back injury um, on, on his uh, docket as well. So when you start talking about, well, i got a player here with an ACL tear in his background, uh, two back injuries, one of them that's going to require surgery right now, and he opted out and didn't play football this year, and he's a former offensive player with just two years at the cornerback position. Man, that's a lot that's to a get lot of flags. through. That's, yeah. that's a lot to get through for a, a first-round pick. Um, I think he would have been right there, no worse than the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think he would have fallen past there. Yeah, who knows? He, he may still not. But right now the concern is there's just too many concerns about medical. Now, one team told me, I said, what do you do with them now? And they said, well, we, we wait and see how his medical checks out with us in April when we have the medical combine. We'll see what, you know, we'll see what we see, and we'll make our determination of what we want to do with them from a draft standpoint there. So talent-wise, he's a first-rounder, trait, speed, all that stuff, size. But when you start dealing with unknowns in medical, nothing will make a guy drop faster, uh, especially when you have such little time to really dig in and find out what's going on. So I assume you think Horn and Sertain will go ahead of him. Do you think Newsom is probably going to you know, get the nod over him as well? How about any of the other corners, the Kentucky guy or the Georgia dudes or any of those guys? Yeah, I think uh, I think Newsom will. And I think yeah. there's an outside chance Eric Stokes from Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, who had a great workout. I mean, a really good workout. workout. Yeah. I think there's a chance that Eric Stokes can too. Um, I don't see – Kelvin Joseph going in the first round from Kentucky, although you never know uh, with, with cornerbacks who have some size and some ball skills. I think I think Farley will go ahead of, you know, Kelvin Johnson. <clears throat> I think he'll go ahead of Tyson Campbell, who's the other uh, Georgia corner, who I actually like a little more than Stokes as a player. But, um, you know, once again, it's all going to be predicated on the medical. People are okay. Sure. If one team is okay with this medical, he'll go in the first. I mean, he's the, he's that talented. But if if not one, when I say oh, okay, I mean they've got to have no no doubts. But if they do have doubts, they're going to have to back off because it's just too big a concern when you still have some talented players in the first round. So I think Horn is second, Sertan is first, and I think uh, Greg Newsom is third. I, I'm, I feel pretty good that it's going to lock in that way. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask you, uh, put you on the spot here uh, now, Lance, and and put you in the Steelers draft room. It's round one. The twenty fourth pick is rolling around here. Who are you leaning towards here for the Steelers? Uh, well, I mean, I need to know what the board looks. Well, like. Well, uh, yeah, there's that. Okay, let, let let's me make say, it a little easier. Okay, for go ahead, go ahead, Matt. No, I've, I've looked at what I've looked at what the Steelers have, and I've looked at the. So I go through with contingencies for every team. And I think based on Steeler needs, like I think they're, I think they could get a good linebacker potentially, but I'm not sure one's going to still be on the board. And Micah Parsons is a guy with some character concerns uh, based on the hazing stuff that jumped off. There's some teams that are really, really 
worried about him. But that guy is just ultra talented. If he were to slide and fall, and I talked to my dad about this. I said, how do Steelers handle character stuff? And he gave me the lowdown on in the draft room what it's like and how the Roonies are brought in and involved. And, and they're the ones who, who, who say, if it's yes, if it's a no, then it's a no. And the guy's off and that's it. So that's going to happen with everyone who has character issues. And it's up to Kevin Colbert and his staff to paint the picture of exactly what you're dealing with with this player here is the issues and then you know in the past the Roonies have decided whether or not he could stay on the board um you know Karamosa I think any of the top three linebackers would be would have to be in consideration and when I say top three Collins you know Parsons for me one Karamosa two uh a Karamoa rather two um three is Javon Collins I think those Zayvon Collins, I think those three. But to me, Jamin Davis, who we also talked about, another consideration. So if one of those four were there, I probably would pull the trigger on that. But depending on how the draft played out and if guys started to fall at some different positions, um, that's a good spot where that could be a trade-out spot again, especially for a team who might be desperate for cornerback. You might be able to get a little bit of a, you know, a, a, a big – bump to be able to move back into the second round so um i think that's a I, I think that's a trade back situation or grab one of those four linebackers one of them will be available i think for sure it's funny you brought that up because we often talk trade back on the show because there's a lot of needs maybe pick up an extra pick um you know the one thing we didn't talk about i think Najee harris was very much in play i mean javante williams atn i think they should be yeah i think they should be xn i mean I've heard Steeler fans came after me for putting, uh, um, I can't remember one time I had either Etienne or I put Landon Dickerson there. I think Landon would be awesome for the Steelers culture. But yeah. once again, uh, it's a physical thing. It, you know, you got to check the medical. But Matt, so much is made of the idea with analytics. And I, it's not like Steelers are just going to rely heavily on just analytics. So much is made of, well, you just don't draft running backs in the first. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Najee Harris and, and Etienne, and Javante Williams can make that Steeler running game much better. I don't oh, care who's up yeah. front. Yeah, it's we had Greg Cosell than... on a few weeks ago, and, and, yeah. and he said, look, the, the quickest way to fix your running game is to have a great running back. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> simple. Because you slow guys. I mean, listen, the Steelers have to be slow guys, and I wasn't a fan of who they got last year from Maryland. I think these guys are studs, all three of the ones we talked about, and it is a big drop to number four. So yes. if I'm the Steelers – and, and, you know, and that might be a trade-back situation into the early second where Najee Harris and Javante Williams are still on the board at 34. You know what I mean? Yep. And so would you rather have We've been that huge proponents of that, Lance. Hell yeah, that's yep. what I would rather have. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and of course, you got to find a trade partner. That's the that's the whole, uh, you know, long and short of it. And, and that's sometimes easier said than done. Uh, Lance, we don't we don't want to hold you up here any longer. I know you got a lot of uh, stuff to do and probably have other radio shows to do, but we appreciate you stopping by here uh, with us and and uh, discussing the draft here. Uh, maybe we can uh, catch you next year at the combine. Hopefully, there's one yeah. of those things going on. Yeah. Um, I know. Hopefully, and it's good it's good talking to you guys. I I should have known with Matt, or we'd be able to actually you know talk about play. I didn't have to just answer a bunch of Justin Fields questions. <laughs> Jones. We we yeah. dig a little bit deeper than that, Lance. Yeah, we dig a little bit deeper. 
All right, we're going to let you go here. We're, Matt and I are going to chat right, about you. what you had to say, but we appreciate your time. That was uh, Lance Zierlein of uh, NFL.com. Uh, of course, you can check him out. Follow him on Twitter at, at Lance Zierlein, Z-I-E-L-Z-I-E-R-L-E-I-N. Uh, he's always great easy to follow. To find, yeah, easy to find out there. Not easy to spell. Uh, great guy. I've been following his stuff for years, and of course, his uh, his dad was Steelers offensive line coach. Know him as yeah. well. So good stuff. My from year Lance. with the Browns was with uh, Coach Zierlein. Too. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Uh, but great to have him on the show. We appreciate him dropping by. And uh, interesting stuff there. Yeah, real interesting stuff. And I've been a big fan of Lance's work. And he and I actually used to do a podcast sort of regularly as guests with uh, Sigmund Bloom, football guys, and always had great back and forth. And I, I listen to him now all the time, too. Really knows offensive linemen, but certainly isn't you know limited to that, too. I mean, he's written, what, 300 profiles or something? Oh, probably more than yeah. that. I mean, right, if, again, right. if you go to NFL.com and, and look up on their draft board, all the prospect Lance, write-ups yeah. on there are, are and grades are from Lance. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he has. You go to previous years are yeah. all from Lance too. We really didn't talk about the top of the board stuff there, as he no. mentioned. Right, right. Uh, he has Lawrence as number one. Sure. Uh, obviously, everybody does. He has Pitts as number two. I would as well. He only has five guys in this draft with a grade of seven or more. Seven Seven's or a huge number Seven's for a, them. That's yeah. an elite grade. So it's it's Lawrence, Pitts, Devontae Smith, hmm. Jamar Chase, and Patrick Sertain. Okay. Those are his his top guys. And Parsons comes in at six eight nine. He mentioned Parsons yeah. too. I mean, uh, he has a Wosu Koromoa at six eight uh, six eight two, so not far behind. I thought it was interesting when you asked him. You know, for the first round with the Steelers, there are going to be some linebackers, in, including JOK, Davis, Collins. I don't think Parsons is even in. the No, mix, he's not going to be in the conversation. Those three would be in the conversation. They're tempting. Yeah, I mean, they really are. Yeah, they are going to be, in, as I mentioned, with Farley as well. Um, yeah. Man, that, that's a tough. Boy, you'd love to have Farley, those three, and the three backs and trade to 35 and just get yeah. whoever's there. You know? or, yeah, even if you have to go, you know, okay, we can only go back to 28 and get whatever you know, it is. Yeah, right. whatever it would be. Sure. If you get to that point and, and there's seven or eight guys, again, this, the way the Steelers will do this is they'll have a 24-man board. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if there's five because they pick twenty fourth, sure. if there's if there's you know ten of those guys still available, then you can easily trade back to especially know. if it's three of them are running backs. I mean, yeah, they're, they're not all going to go. Teams maybe considering a running back yeah. early in this draft, and most of them have huge other needs. Yeah, Jets so Miami, you know, yeah, uh, going to be interesting. I can't, I can't wait. I mean, I'm glad he mentioned trade back though. Yeah, we mentioned that a lot. We're three weeks out now from the from day two. I of, think two two weeks out from day two of the draft. Today's yeah. April 9th. Yeah, I think it's well. No, it's the end of it's, three, it's the end it's of the month. Three weeks, yeah, three yeah. weeks out from the end of the month, I can't wait. No, right, it's gonna be good stuff. Because then after the draft, we get to see football for real again. We actually go to hopefully see practices and, and all that stuff. All right, that good stuff. Yeah, and optimism uh, abound across the NFL. Everybody's gonna be happy. Couldn't believe this guy was available. Oh, couldn't yeah. believe that guy was right, available. Right. Really yeah. happy with our draft. Nobody's ever walked in and said, "Man, we screwed that up." No, right. <laughs> and Lance has been around it his whole life. I mean. He kind of said it without saying it, too. He mentioned medicals quite a few times. Yeah. He mentioned character, character a couple few times. You know, that, boy, we can't imagine. Fans are like, how did that guy fall to the third round? Well, there's some things. There's there's medicals. There's <laughs> yeah. character. Right. Um, maybe you don't want him in your building. It, it or maybe you just don't have a whole up. lot of information on the guy. Well, that, there's going to be a lot of that this year, too. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, just, there's going to be some... Some ties are going to be broken. Some leaps of faith. Yes, absolutely. You know, which will be interesting when we look back on this draft five, ten years from now. We might be like, 
everybody liked this guy in the fourth round. He ended up being a five-time Pro Bowler, but yeah. there just wasn't much information. So you took someone at his position. Ahead, you know, a tie comes down to the two, they took this one. You know, the tie comes down to the two, you take that one, and that guy falls. It's going to happen. It's going to happen this year, maybe more so than, than any year previously mm-hmm. because of that not having that combine information. But uh, interesting stuff from Lance. We appreciated him stopping by. That, But that's going to do it for this segment. So for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob Brecht here on site, keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lolly. We appreciate you listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.